Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name's Dan O'Rourke, and I'm in studio today with three of our team members here at Divine Renovation Headquarters. I'm looking at you, Ron Huntley, Director of Coaching. How are you doing, buddy? It's great to be here. It's really good to see you. Uh, And across the table from me is our Director of Communications, Mike Tanner. Good to see you, Mike. Good to be here. And on my left is one of our coaches, Rob McDowell. It's good to be with you, Mike. Or Mike. It's good to be with you too, Dan. <laughs> okay, one second. It's good to be with you, Rob. Why, I know who you are. Why doesn't Rob talk more? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm just. I'm glad we're all here together. Me too. What I'm going to say. I'm glad we're here together. So let's. We're going to keep rolling because I know that you know when we start Rocky, we're going to finish strong, uh, and we can all laugh at me later. Uh, today, guys, what I'm hoping we can chat about is is the the, the difference between leadership and management, mm. uh, because organizations need need both. Mm. Uh, now, why don't we just start to unpack it a little bit. Ron, when, when you deal with, with parishes, uh, do you ever talk to them about their, the, the, the complexities of, of leadership and management, whether they've got both in their, in their parishes? Not directly, no. Um, that's, a, that's a fun question. I've never really broken it down like that necessarily. Oftentimes when I think about what gets parishes stuck and why they're where they're at, I often think about the fact that they lack vision. Hmm. They lack vision. And so churches get stuck in maintenance mode. And that's not a, like maintenance. We need to maintain the flock. Father James always says we're, we're responsible to feed the sheep and to go fishing. <laughs> it's one and the other. And in essence, I suppose, in one sense, the going fishing is making sure we're oriented outwards, that, that, that we're on mission, that we have a purpose. And so many churches, it takes so much energy just to do sacraments, to make sure that we're doing a good job at Mass every week, that we're running an office and bills are getting paid, that we have, you know, the shingles are on the roof, the parking lot's safe. You know, there's so many things that take up our energy just to get by. Um, And so oftentimes I think in terms of vision, and that begins to help people start to think about what's possible. And when we start to think about where we're going, that's a leadership thing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't necessarily talk about it in terms of leadership as much as I talk about it in terms of vision. And then I begin to unpack and help people understand what it means to lead and create a culture of leadership. Um, so I don't attack it from a management leadership framework, but at the same time, I begin to help people transition from only doing what they're doing now to doing what God's calling One them to do. One of the first things that we, we often do, though, with, with, with parishes is to actually get them speaking and thinking through their vision. Isn't that mm-hmm. right, Rob? Again, to Ron's point, we want them to be thinking in terms of where are they going, what's their direction. One of the things that I, I kind of think through the different definitions is leadership wants to take something stable and get it going. Management wants to take something that's moving and create stability in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And you need both, right? And... Uh, so the, the, the question that churches should probably think about in, you know, through the, the lens is, are we moving and do we need some stability brought to things? Yeah. You know, I was talking to a, a pastor yesterday whose diocese went through, uh, you know, the reshuffling that a lot of the diocese are going mm-hmm. through and we're just assessing what does moving forward look like. And he said for the first time in years, the churches feel that there's stability. 
And so for him, that was a good thing because there was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of things mm. they didn't know. And, and now he's at a point where he could start to move forward because of the stability. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you're saying stability, my guess is, and <coughs> correct me if I'm wrong, because I know a lot of people go through this, but if you don't know whether or not your church is viable and, and if they're going to be combining churches and who's going to be pastor, like that's instability. And once all that stuff comes to rest, now we can actually get on the move. And yeah. a lot of dioceses are going through that. It's like, yeah. well, we don't even know what churches are going to be open. Yeah, I think we, I think in our leadership, we can create a lot of chaos. <laughs> and, and, and that's a good thing to a certain point. But we talk, we talk about, our, you know, sustainable, transferable, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I think sustainability, while it's not a purely management issue, I think management yeah. cares a lot about. We, I, we talk, if you don't mind, we, we talk about this all the time internally because we've got some people as part of our team that are like, I have an idea. Let's go do it. And it's a great idea. And they have this vision of what they want to do. And then they're like, all right, so go do that. And then they sort of, they've, they've started it and they've gone. And I think that's a big part of it is that you need people who can then look at things from a, mm-hmm. a really process-oriented workflow, like how you can get people actually get, doing their job uh, in ways that work for them and work for you. And I think that that's where management really comes into place is, is helping you end up actually being a real support system for those leaders who drive forward. Because if those leaders drive forward... And then you have nothing behind them in terms of how they're going to go through and, and manage that and, and manage it and do it. Um, it it's not going to work. You're, you're not See, my guess is it. that most most parishes have have the opposite problem, though. I, I mean, I, yes. I would yeah. think most parishes are actually fairly well managed. Now, that's not to say that that they're managing the right things. It's not to say that they're that they're not overwhelmed. I suspect a right. lot of parishes are absolutely overwhelmed, and, and the leaders in them are overwhelmed. But they're managing. They're in a routine of of of, of drowning. Uh, and and I would also say to the point mm. of uh, to, to respond to something you said, Rob. I think it's right. We can be we can be stable. Management, good management, creates stability. But that stability does not mean that your parish is stable. That means that that the team is stable, which is to say that your yes. parish might be in rampant decline yeah. and you are absolutely managing decline mm-hmm. and putting all your energy and time into that, which is to say you are successfully staying exactly where you are, which is on that downward trajectory of, of, mm-hmm. of decline. And that, that, that's where you have to, that's why we introduce that hiccup of leadership, that hiccup of, of vision, because it's all of a sudden, well, where do we want to go? And that, mm-hmm. that changes the conversation because it's not just about how do we want to manage what we've got. It, where do we want to go? And that shifts everything. Mm. Where do we want to go? Where are we being called to go? And I think that's where that identity crisis that we often talk about. Like, do we know who we are and why we exist? Because if we don't, that's really going to dictate how we spend our time and energy. But once we re reawaken to our primary identity, it's like, wait a minute, then this isn't good enough anymore. <laughs> Like when I realize what I'm actually called to or what we as a parish are actually called to, it's like, well, if that's really what I'm called to, then if I look at my behaviors, my timetable and how I spend my money, this isn't good enough anymore. And that's a great place to awaken to. And now we can, and then it becomes really, I find that really exciting. And that's what we see in the churches we coach all the time is there that the, the, the book Divine Renovation or the conference that people come to. Or even sometimes it's a it's a, an amazing parish conference or something else. Like something awakens the heart to why am I here? Yeah. What's my purpose? Mm-hmm. And once we begin to ask those questions, I th- it's particularly if we orient them towards God. Like we're praying about that stuff and we're open to it. God's going to convict us of something that will give us a discontent, and that is the coolest thing ever because now we can we can be purposeful. I love when you know Jesus come across the fig tree that wasn't bearing any fruit, and he says, "Cut that down!" Like, <laughs> get it down. They're like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" Like, no, don't cut that down. Like, like give us some time 
to, to do what we need to do to prepare the soil better, to give it the nutrients, to water it better. Give, give us at least a year. Mm-hmm. And then, but, but Jesus is saying, I expect you to be fruitful. Mm-hmm. And I think leaders say, I expect us to be fruitful. If that's a fig tree, it should be producing fruit. It should be producing figs. If we're a church, we should be producing changed lives. And if we're not, cut it down. Well, and, <laughs> and I think God's cutting them down for us right now. <laughs> understanding, like we, we lean into Strength Finder here. Yeah. Um, you know, all of our staff is, has used it so that they understand what they can do and what they can't do in terms of strengths and weaknesses and all these sorts of things. And one of the things I think is funny is like you wouldn't expect a fig tree to grow apples. You wouldn't expect an apple tree to suddenly give you fish. You, mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect those things. And so leaning into our gifting and our strengths and understanding that you might be really great at casting vision and having people follow, and I might not be. And that's not that I'm bad at leadership. It's that I'm great at being me. Mm-hmm. And so leaning into the gifts that we have with, within our teams and really recognizing those, and you go, yeah. look, I don't think that you could be the person who's going to cast vision and, and go out in front of this. But I will tell you this is that when I need something done, I know that you're the person I'm going to talk to. Mm. And so I think that really when we start Mm. to lean into that each of us are made with these amazing gifts and we get the chance to use them, we start to look at everything instead of this this black and white dichotomy of like my good leader or my good manager or my each of these things. And we go, let's take what I'm good at and use it for mission Um, and, and where we fall in that in that you know, kind of works from there. So mm, love it. It's so important. And I agree with what you're saying, because I know for me, I need people who are really good at executing. I always find I create a ton of work around me. I always have. And I can get buried in my own work really quickly if I don't work out of a team and have other people who agree and are passionate about the mission and 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 can come alongside me to help me not kill myself uh, and, and to look incompetent. Like I need organized people around me to help me follow through in what we've started and bring things to conclusions so that we can be fruitful. Mm. Sustained fruitfulness requires leadership in terms of direction and why and management in terms of execution and excellence. And that's how I that's how I look at it. I think one of the things, though, sometimes it's challenging to say whether you're strong in leadership or management, because I think I think we've created a bit of a stigma around management, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and the fact that we've like. Well, leadership is doing the right things and, and management is doing, doing things right, doing things <laughs> right. Right. And and then a lot of times that comes out of the whole idea of, you know, if an organization is overmanaged and underled and leaders are the, the the superheroes that take an organization forward, managers are the people. They're the stick in the muds that keep things back. And, and that can certainly be true. But we've I think we've we've emphasized leadership to the point at sometimes uh, that that nobody would actually want to admit that they're a strong manager, <laughs> right? Right, and yeah. so it's to your point, Mike. I think we have to, I think we have to verbalize the value of both because a lot of times we'll say, the ch- "What's the problem with the church today? It's overmanaged and underled. Like managers are the problem." Mm. Well, no, I wouldn't say manager the problem. The lack, lack of, of leadership. Le- lack of leadership's the problem, yeah, right? Yes. But but it still sounds like we're we're blaming the managers. We're blaming managers. Yeah. Well, I think the very best managers are also <clears throat> good leaders. Right. I, I think, you know, that that notion of because of, when I look at, at, at the um, 
uh, what managers bring, even into our organization at Divine Renovation, if I think of some of the things that managers bring, they bring systems, they bring structure, they bring process. But, you know, what leadership does is it communicates great vision. But what management does is it communicates great goals. And it's that it's like it makes tangible the things that that we talk about at, at the higher level. And I, I think that that becomes an essential element in terms of, of, of executing. And I think the best managers bring both gifts to the fore. Right? They're both present in an individual. But the question is, how good are we at sharing, at, at leaning into one versus the other? And when do we do it? Right. Mm-hmm. And if, for anybody that's watching, especially if it's Father James, he's going to say, did you mean at the lower levels? And I think in terms of that inverted pyramid and, and leading from the bottom up. Yeah. And it's fun because we always catch ourselves yeah. on that mm-hmm. because it's we really do. We're, we lay ourselves down in love and service of others, even within the ministry. And But I'm just having fun with that because <laughs> we're always trying to catch ourselves. Well, we all, you know, we, we talk about, you know, exhaustion for pastors is one of the big things that we, we talk about all the time in terms of one of the reasons that, that we lead from teams, one of the reasons that we have people around them. And I think that, you know, in a pastor, and, and this is just my thought, I, I don't know what you, what you guys would think about this, but like, I really do want a leader in that role mm-hmm. because someone who has no leadership in it is it only management skills you end up just sort of doing things rather than going in a direction and i think that you feel so busy because you 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 actually end up saying oh, i have to manage all these things because i'm the only person who's actually able to manage them and then you don't get to lean into the gifts that like you've been called to lead a parish um and so i think making space sometimes for people to develop those skills. I, I don't think they just happen. I don't think they're just Well, let me ask, let's change this into a, a question. We've got two coaches at the table with us, Mike. Yeah. Uh, let's throw this as a question. So let's pretend uh, we've got a, a priest, uh, a pastor, a parish priest that comes into 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 a relationship with Divine Renovation, a coaching relationship with one of you guys. Uh, and what they, what they say to you early on is, look, I think I'm a really good manager. I'm not sure I'm a really good leader. How would you coach them? What would you say to them? I don't think they'd ever articulate it that way, would they, yeah. Rob? But... I think people that are stronger in the execution gifts are really good at getting things done and not always good at building teams because they're just really good at getting things done themselves. And I think part of it is helping them to see that. And that's where by doing the APEST assessment that you can do online or the strength finders that you can do online as well, I think that helps people to see how they're hardwired. But even when they're hardwired in a particular way, it's like, okay, and... (laughs) How do we round you out so that we engage more people in the vision and the mission that God has on your church? And so I'd say first, first for me, the first place is to help them understand who they are and how they're hardwired. And the second thing is to help them to um, one of the questions I love to ask is what does success look like or what does fruit look like? And it really helps an executor go, oh, yeah, because they're really good at getting things done, but they're not always good at recognizing where we're trying to go in the mid to long term. Mm -hmm. And so that's helpful. And so when we're building teams around them, that's where coaching is really helpful. Rob, you often would say, and I use this all the time, really helped change my paradigm. You said, you know, just because you're not good at something, uh, if you're not good at something, it means it's not going to come naturally to you, but it doesn't mean it can't be a discipline. And so for some of these teams, for some of these pastors, it becomes a discipline. We have to put in ways of thinking, processes of thinking that help them lift their head up when it's not natural for them. If, if someone said that, they obviously have a fairly high level of self-awareness. Yeah, that's true, which is which, helpful. Yeah, which is, which is certainly helpful. So if they're going to, if they're going to, if they have that level of self-awareness, I'm going to say, so what do you bring to the table and what do you not bring to the table? Mm-hmm. 
right? Because obviously they're they're aware of some limitations in their leadership. So uh, help them kind of think through and understand that. And, and again, to, to Ron's point, if they don't have that level of awareness, you know, you're going to have the conversation, where are you going? How are you going to know you're going to get there? One of the things that I always like to do is get pastors to think through their schedules, uh, particularly where they're going to prioritize their time. And I always ask every pastor, I said, if, if besides sacraments, if you could only do one thing in a week, what would bring the most value to the church? And that makes them think through everything that they're doing and all this sort of stuff, right? And it's it's always interesting the the different. It's a great uh, question, you know. Yeah. And because uh, because again, I want them to know uh, what their impact is, particularly where do they need to be spending their time? Because a lot of times, you know, you referenced this earlier. You know, Mike, we have these pastors that are overwhelmed in their time yeah. and they're busy and they're all this sort of stuff, right? And they're going and going and going. And but are they um, are they measuring their effectiveness? One of the key ways that we need to know for measuring our effectiveness is what what how do I impact the organization in a positive way? What ways do I impact it positively, and what ways do I not impact it positively? Mm-hmm. And so I want them to think through what their key activities are. And there's Dan with respect to that. You know, if somebody were to like to your point, Rob, if they're self aware enough to say, I'm I'm pretty good at management, I'm not so good at leadership. Can you help me with that? You know, one of the things we do it's not just help the pastor become a better leader, it's helped the church develop a culture of leadership. Mm-hmm. And so it's one and the other. So we're not just mm-hmm. working on one, we're working on both. And so what's really fun about that, and and again, that's why where Alpha as a tool for conversion also works in an incredible way to become a leadership pipeline for developing leaders. Because most people um, haven't been developed as leaders. And that's where the whole idea of leadership summits come in. And then so as we're working with the pastor, so to very help, briefly, what is a leadership yeah. summit? Leadership summit is when a priest or their leadership team gets together every single person in their church who's responsible for running a ministry, and hopefully, and at some point, for them to bring an apprentice as well, or somebody who has a great attitude. That's really important. Has is easy and fun to work with, and who loves Jesus in the church. And so, ultimately, bringing those people together three times a year to do. A number of things. The first thing is to show your gratitude because your church couldn't exist without them. So you want them to know that we love you, we appreciate you, we see what you're doing, and it matters. Second thing is we want to give you skills to be a good leader. Most people in ministry have been assigned tasks. They haven't been assigned responsibility to innovate, problem solve, and be amazing. And so we want to help shift from doers of ministry to leaders of ministry. And that requires skills. And so as a leadership team, you're discerning where are people at now and what do they need? And we're very specific and concrete so that we give actionable items to grow people as leaders, which impacts their entire life, not just their ministry. And the third thing is we want them to be vision carriers. And so we want them to understand what you as a pastor and your leadership team are wrestling with, what's coming on the horizon. We want to be able to communicate first to you guys as leaders because we want you to feel important. And the last thing is we want to model a surrendered heart to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer. And that's what we do at Leadership Summits. And it creates, helps create a culture of leadership. And even organizing those and helping pastors and their teams think through those things helps them begin that's a leadership exercise. Like leaders, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we've described quite a bit about what it looks like to be overmanaged and underled. What's the opposite look like? And do we ever see it? 
So, so what would the opposite question be? <laughs> Overled and undermanaged. Overled and undermanaged. Oh, yeah. Well, that was St. Benedict Parish at year four. <laughs> yeah, we just were, we were going on, firing on all cylinders where all ideas were possible and feasible and nothing was sustainable and everybody was burning out in the name of the church. And it was just really poor. And that's poor leadership when you're not bringing in management structures and processes to make sure that things are on the mark that we're measuring that we're accountable to fruitfulness and that people are healthy and that's where we came up with the things need to be sustainable scalable and transferable that came out of just sheer failure absolute utter complete failure on our part and uh you know Father James at that point was sick multiple months of the year just because he'd been running so hard and our structure was so dysfunctional. Everybody reported to Father James and it just was so much pressure on him. People were being under supported and we didn't have good structures in place for who supports who and it was poorly managed. And uh, yeah, it's painful. So if you're in that zone right now, come talk to us. Well, well one of the things <laughs> I, I love about our ministry, and you know, it's it's right in the core values that we've embraced, is the idea of that we come from things from saying like, well, this is what actually happened, not mm-hmm. from like a theoretical place of like, wouldn't it be neat if this or if this happened, you could do this. We have so many instances, and now as we've grown, you know, worldwide. Mm-hmm. We have more and more stories of exact situations happening in different places, and we're able to draw on those and say, when someone says, what would you do in this case? Well, it's not what would you do, it's what did we do? We did this thing, and this is how it worked, and this is what it did. And so our ability to, to, to you know, from the trenches be able to say, like, I felt that pain point, and here's how we were able to resolve it, I think is um, is, is really valuable to, to, um, to an experience. And it also lets, it, it really lets a pastor know that, or a lay leader or anything, know that you're coming from a, from a place of like, this isn't conjecture, it's not theory, you mm-hmm. feel the actual pain that they have felt, uh, and you're able to, to, to share that with them. And I think that's a, a huge, um, it's, it's one of my favorite things about working in the ministry, is that mm-hmm. whenever we have an idea of like, someone struggling, we go, yeah, someone's struggling, and we know what that struggle looks like, because we've, we've seen it before. I see that a lot, too, working with bishops. Mm. You know, because bishops, their very office is really an, uh, uh, an office of, of leadership, not that being pastors, and that really mm-hmm. is as well. But what ends up happening is a lot of times they'll set direction and goals. A lot of times they'll hire consultants to help them with very strategic plans and directions and everything else. But the mismanagement is not being able to mobilize people. So they have a goal and a place to go, and they just wonder why nobody's coming with them or not at the, the pace they want them to. And so I see that all the time, and, and, and I think that can be... Well, both the management and the leadership issue, but if you're disconnected from your impact on the people that you serve, if you don't have the right structures in place to mobilize people so that they are supported, they feel loved and supported, and they're being successful, then that's not helpful. So you might have a great vision and a great direction, but your ability to manage that effectively is can, can be, in often cases, terrible. And so there's this disconnect, and everybody feels it and knows it. Nobody will say it, because that would be rude, because we're Catholic. But holy jumpings, there's a chasm there. And, and I think sometimes that's just really bad management. And so it's one and the other. Well, it's really it's really bad communication. It, it's the fact that we're we're uncomfortable with conflict. I mean, we just did the other day a session on making conflict safe, mm-hmm. um, and we're we're we struggle with the idea of we don't want anyone to think that we don't love them and that we don't care for them and that we don't appreciate them. And so sometimes when we're balancing or one side on the other on one of these things, we're just not willing to have the conversation and say we need to put these things in balance and here's what we have to do. And that that communication mm-hmm. is often what 
what isn't there. You have a leader who's sprinting ahead and then they look behind them and they're not, you know, saying, is everyone still with me? Mm. And then they turn around and go, oh, there's nobody right behind me. So, <laughs> so I think the first step when it comes to solving this is understanding um, what we are as, as individuals. And so, Rob, uh, let me ask you this. If, for people who are listening, whether you're a priest or someone else in, in, in a leadership role uh, inside of a, a parish, what are some of the questions you might want them to wrestle with to assess whether they're stronger in management and whether they're stronger in leadership and how to, how to figure out what the gaps might be that they're creating, which I know so often people create these gaps because uh, they don't see them, right? They're blind spots more than they are uh, th- than they're aware of. So, for those people who are listening to us right now, what are a couple of questions they might want to think about and, and uh, think through? Yeah. I'd say the first is, what are you most frustrated about? Are you most frustrated about where you're not going? That's probably more around, you know, we should be here, we should be seeing these results. Or are you more frustrated with what's happening in the current reality? Like, oh, I'm frustrated. That this is disorganized. I'm frustrated. This is, you know, right. And so, is your frustration more? focused in the day-to-day like if you're to if you're to you know um assess what you complain the most about in relation to your organization (laughs) (laughs) that's a neat way to look at it is it is it how things are being yeah is it is it how and is it day-to-day or is it lack of direction and and where where you don't see your organization moving i think that would be kind of the first Mm -hmm. uh kind of assessment uh, to, to, to sort of think through. But yeah, it, and it because we ask we ask all the time, what's your discontentment is one of the ways of fleshing out your mm-hmm. vision. But if your natural if your natural discontentment goes to more day-to-day issues, you're you're probably a little more strongly wired as a manager. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your discontentment is about where you should be or where you'd like to go or the, the lack of results that you're seeing, then I would guess that you're a little bit wired more as a leader. What a great way to look Ron, at it. Ron, are there any parting <laughs> thoughts you can give to to uh, to parish priests, pastors, mm. uh, as, as they wrestle with where they are in their parish and in, in leadership and, and management, like any, any final comments mm. that you could, cause th- we know they don't have balance because mm. they're human. Yeah. Uh, and, and we know their parish is, a, is an organization that is mm. human. And, and in, in that sense, it's also not balanced. So what would be some of your, your, your final comments to them as they wrestle through these things? And uh, even as you were asking the question, that would be my first comment. It's okay. You're not a mistake. God made you intentionally and on purpose. You are God's a plan for your parish. And so it's not, it's not your fault. Uh, you're not incompetent. <laughs> but what we need to do is we need to have a different model of leading. And that's what we're proposing, is a different model of leadership. You will never be able to do it by yourself. That's what we believe. I absolutely believe that to be true. And so stop trying to do it by yourself. You can't be all things to all people. Stop. And let's readdress how we're going to get from here to there in terms of what type of a model we're going to use. And I really believe... And I can back it up with 70 some odd churches we've coached that when you begin to lead out of a team, it changes your entire priesthood. It changes the results you get, the fruitfulness you get, and you get on a track that is worth being on. And so if you're in that place and you're wondering how you need to change, it's probably less about you and more about how you're doing it. And so mm. stop leading on your own and start leading out of a team. It's going to change everything. This has been a great conversation. It's been a lot of fun to dig into this. If you've been enjoying this conversation, I encourage you to come and have it with us live in June 2020. <laughs> Divine Renovation 2020 is coming up. It's a conference right here in Halifax, and we would love for you to be part of the hundreds of people that will be gathering from all over the world to have conversations about leadership, management, and all things parish renewal. We hope to see you there. And until next time, we'll see you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening. 
The book Divine Renovation by Father James Mallon is why this ministry exists. It has been translated into many different languages and read all over the world. To purchase your copy, follow the link in the description below. Next week on the podcast. Instead of saying, is that something you would like to help manage? He says, I see you have the gifts and I think you would love it. Right? Versus, would you be willing so to help? So but your point is t- yeah. well taken. You're painting the picture of what the church could look like. Would you be willing to use your gifts to help us to get there? Because I think you're going to love it.